0: Being a leader doesn't mean that you need to know everything. Being a leader doesn't mean that you are best at everything. Being a leader means that people follow you and people want to work with you and they they understand where you want the company to go.
1: Hey there, and welcome to our final round of our Dismantling Leadership series which we are co-hosting with HHL Graduate School of Management. We are excited to have Niklas Ostberg today with us, the co-founder and CEO of Delivery Hero. Niklas grew this company from one to 30,000 employees today, working and contributing in over 50 countries around the globe. Together, we are discussing how we can evolve leaders and not only leaders in our organizations and why we believe this can be a game changer. Rolf and Niklas are sharing authentically from their experiences at Trivago and Delivery Hero. Our session today will be moderated by the one and only Kirill Sivi. Enjoy the talk and thanks for listening in.
2: Okay. So ladies and gentlemen, dear students, dear guests, um today at our um last session of the very very um inspirational uh, talk series dismantling leadership. Um we organized this uh, with two organizations. One is HHL Leipzig Graduate School of Management, um of which I have the honor to serve as dean and uh, also the Chairholder for Strategy and Entrepreneurship. And we teamed up with Leadership Sprouts, a a social venture co-founded by Rolf Strömgens and Anna Gottschalk. Rolf is with us today. Anna, uh, unfortunately, couldn't make it, but we have Kirill with us, um, who will uh, do the moderation. And I'm very, very happy uh, to have with us today Niklas Ursberg, the founder and CEO of Delivery Hero. Great to have you with us um and uh, the participants the, the idea is uh, really that we have the possibility for 90 minutes to discuss about leadership different perspectives of leadership um and the experiences that such esteemed entrepreneurs as niklas um and everybody else who we had here have made and role basically also with uh, his experience, uh, especially from building and scaling Trivago, but more specifically with the Heidi approach developed at Leadership Sprouts, basically um, also will challenge and reflect on um, the input that we will receive from Nicholas. So without further ado, happy to have you with us. Um, I'm looking forward to a inspirational uh, discussion in the next 90 minutes. And Kirill, now the floor is yours. Thank you very much, Stefan. Appreciate that. Welcome, everyone. Glad to see that we have 60 people in the call now. Really looking forward to the next 90 minutes to discuss our favorite topic, which is leadership and all its beauty, glory, and sometimes also not the beautiful things and how we can make it work in the contemporary world. And as Stefan already mentioned, this is uh, our last installment in our series. So let's make it count and make it a good one to remember. Before we jump in, I would like to start with a short introduction. Obviously, some of you have been uh, following our series and coming and know by now who Rolf is and what he does. That's quite repetitive. But anyway, we're going to do a quick introduction. Let's say a couple sentences maximum to one minute. Who are you and what do you do? I tried to come up with something new because I have given so many perspectives.
3: Actually, uh, I, um, when I was young, I was playing French horn. So I was really, really into playing French horn. Uh, so I think that that was very important for me. I, I grew up in a restaurant that was very uh, important for me. And, uh, later on, I happened to be that I founded Trivago and learned, uh, d- during, uh, being the CEO of Trivago, that learned a lot of things about leadership, which I now try to Make a little bit of use uh, with uh, with uh, in my new social venture, Leadership Sprouts, uh, where we try to give entrepreneurs a space uh, to
2: develop themselves
3: and their organizations.
0: Perfect.
2: That was that was very, crisp. Thank you, Rolf. Niklas, please.
0: Oh, um, grew up in Sweden in a small uh, village. Um been very interested in entrepreneurship, had parents who were I don't know, entrepreneurship on a small scale, uh, started a couple of smaller things, or, or half big, I would say, um, that later got sold, um, and then in 2010, I started a company called Delivery Hero. Uh, Delivery Hero is today operating 50 markets, we have 27,000 employees, uh, and uh, close to a million riders. Um, in our network, we deliver about eight, nine million orders a day uh, of food and groceries. Uh, um, yeah, so it's it's fantastic company. Uh, I'm, I'm super grateful to to still be the CEO of the company, and um, yeah, I would encourage everyone to join. <laughs>
2: Perfect. Thank you very much for that Niklas. We will dive into a lot of topics there. I- um, I,
3: I I just want want to have like one minute to, to uh show my appreciation because I think uh that, that Nicholas is one of the most inspiring leaders that I was uh, able to meet. And um and really um I remember that uh you know I was not a big fan of uh Delivery Hero as a company, uh when when it started, I have to say. Um and uh, and then the first time i met niklas I mean, niklas came on board more or less or, or took over uh, the the operations uh, that that were existing here in germany uh and uh and i thought okay this is an amazing guy i really have to invest into this company and uh and uh, it's so nice to that i mean i don't know how many years later we are now probably like 10 or even more 12 i don't know and uh and it's it's so nice to see you know like what you created and and uh, i think i think it's uh a lot, of, a lot of this I would would uh, would account to, to 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 your to your uh, service to the company. So. That's
0: that's way too nice, and I make me blush here. But uh, no, uh, thank you very much. Uh, it's it's not all true what it says, but uh, I I I <laughs> um, I hope to have a contribute to something.
2: Perfect. We will definitely go in and dissect uh, some of those things and and see what you think about them. And maybe before we start, also just a quick word about me. Uh, my name is Kirill. I am a fellow leadership sproutee. So also working together with uh, Anna and Hoyf, helping um, bring all those beautiful ideas to the forefront. I've been uh, working at Travago for a really long time where I've been looking at organizational agility and development. And I currently I am embarking on my own first uh, entrepreneurial journey, uh, just co-founding my first company called Shift Space. And, uh, yeah, so happy to be in the presence of two great entrepreneurs and uh, discuss the topic of leadership today. Now, to start off, let's start a little bit slower. And, uh, you know, the topic of today is basically evolving leadership, which is a very big term. It's very loaded. There are so many things attached to it. And before we dive into it and really go deep, I want to start a little bit more personal and I would like to start with you, Niklas. Um, so correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, your entrepreneurial journey began in 2007 when you co-founded Online Pizza. Is that correct correct timeframe to assume?
0: Yeah, that's, that's probably true. I started something a little bit earlier back in 2000, 2001, but the, the, the first real one was back in 2007 with Online Pizza.
2: Nice. Perfect. So that means... If we count 2007 up until now, that's what 14 years that you've been in in the game, that you've been a leader and of very big companies that were very successful through hypergrowth and all those things. And the first question that I would have for you is: if you look back at that time now, when when you started in 2007, up until now, how did your leadership philosophy evolve? Like, how did you come into the kind of like being a leader in 2007, and what changed during all those times?
0: Oh, I, I don't even know if I had a leadership philosophy back in, in 14 years ago. I did a little bit on the go. Um uh, I, I don't even think I, I led much. I wanted to do everything myself uh in the beginning. And I I I I, I almost trusted no one. Um I had and an, yeah, I had a very high work capacity. That was my strength. Um, but but surely not as as a leader. Um then I think over time or at some point I realized it, it really doesn't scale. It, it, I'm, I'm involved in absolute everything and you start feeling that you become a bottleneck. So you, you, every decision takes longer and, and I, I think that kind of forced me to evolve myself. Uh, I was then also lucky to get some very good people into Delivery Hero where I felt like it, it changed my life. It, 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 it truly changed my life and I felt like, wow. There is someone here we can lead whatever marketing better than I could ever do. And there suddenly comes someone else in another department and I suddenly I got so much time to actually evolve the business and, and evolve my thinking and improve uh, in, in, in so many other ways. And I think, I think that the, the only thing that I had in me probably from the beginning, even if I said I, I like to do everything myself and I trusted no one, at the same time, I generally have personality to trust people uh i i i believe that people do their best if you give them the, the the authority and you give them the responsibility and you give them the trust they will excel and they'll do much better than you 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 would ever think but i never really had time for that and i never really so, so somehow i still ended up doing everything myself or i lot to myself um but once i realized that that I could find people who could complement and who could be better than me in in all areas um I think it came very natural for me to also give out a lot of responsibility, a lot of ownership, and start thinking more about how do build an organization where we can take the most possible decisions by the most possible people and making sure that we scope every area such that everyone feels like they true owner of their area and they can do what. They can take the decision, they can make the mistake, they can evolve, they can improve. Um, And um, I think that's a lot what my current leadership is is based on, to to make sure that defining areas, responsibility, organization, and then trust people to do the right thing. And even if I think that people might do the wrong thing, I wouldn't even block them. I would be fine if they, they... As long as it's not something that you can reverse, they can reverse afterwards... I'm fine if people go on a path that I don't believe in. And sometimes I was right and sometimes I was wrong. But I think more importantly is that the, the people who, who took the decision, they learned and they evolved and they, they, they developed. Um, and I think that is part of the strength of delivery. They have, have so many leaders now um, that have such a passion for the company. And they, they are all owner of the success. Um, and yeah.
2: So I, I definitely want to go into the topic of uh, leadership at Delivery Hero because, I mean, you have so many people there. So leadership obviously plays such a crucial role. But we, before we do that, I want to uh, ask a follow-up question. You said like, you know, at one point you, you did realize that uh, it's good to, to give stuff away and you realized that you were a bottleneck. Do you remember any specific moments or when did you have that realization? Was, was that a...
0: Yeah. It happened? Yeah, that, that that was actually when I got the personal involvement actually the marketing, um, and, and it was not that I, I I I thought that I was best in everything. It was just that when you do something from, from for many years, personal online this on a smaller scale, you're involved in absolutely everything. I I was involved in getting restaurants up on the platform. I did the. The SEO or SEM bidding in Poland, even if I know no Polish. And I built the scripts and algos and, and tried to do that. And I, so so of course, that means that you build so much knowledge base over the time that anyone that comes in will know less about that topic. So even if they would be better than you, you still have such a knowledge advantage that you feel like I would be better off doing it myself, even if someone potentially could evolve and get better. Um, I it is, it's such a fight for survival at the beginning that you, you, you cannot wait six months for someone to get better than you so you never really take that leap where you say like, okay let's let us someone else do it it will be a little bit worse for six months but eventually they will be better for the company because it so, so therefore you, you tend to be a little bit stuck in a, a vicious circle um, and at some point it one area after another, I start getting some people on board who can. There was so much better that even if I had a knowledge advantage, they still they still beat me. I can imagine how much uh, stress and relief you must have felt when you have to start doing
2: uh, SEO in in Poland if you don't speak the language. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, for Rolf, I mean you can also relate. I mean, I know in in the Travago days, you've been also very hands on and hacky. You know everything from coding on the actual platform and and doing all those things. Can you walk us quickly through your journey, like when you started on as an entrepreneur about the idea of leadership and how it evolved over the last 15, 20 years?
3: I I think my idea of leadership was as conventional as it could have been, you know, Um, because I mean, you know, I I studied in university. I mean, uh, I'm very fond of HHL, but, you know, at the end, at the end, uh, you know, also the content that I was I was learning there was at the end was 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 also conventional in a way, right? And and, um, and and my idea was always when I when I wanted to build a company, I want to build it like the perfect machine, yeah. So I want to have to create this perfect machine, and every everybody should work in the right way together. And I, and basically, when I look at the world, I always thought you know, basically what big companies are doing is that they're not consequently basically like, you know, designing the company in a way that it can work, you know, like they don't have the processes in place and they they don't follow it and so on and so on. So I had, I had, I had a very, uh, top down philosophy and, and, and basically I had the same experience that, uh, or a similar experience, uh, that Nicholas was describing. So, 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 you know i was the only person or like me and my co-founders we were the only per- people in the in the company and we were basically doing everything so so i think for the first 10 years around 10 years like i'm at least five years probably was not a single job existing in the company that i have not been doing <laughs> so because basically every new job i was always starting to do it right so when uh, so first, of course, we only, like, we were only programming and so on. So, but then, you know, we started to do design. So I did the design. So then we started to do, uh, like, pro, like, 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 uh, uh, marketing, you know, we t- started to do SEM. S- S- so I started to do SEM. I started to do TV, TV, marketing. And, and then more and more and more, I gave, gave this, this new ideas. I gave them to over, handed them over to people. Right. So I was constantly in this process of basically always knowing everything better. You know, like I thought, you know, I, that I know everything better. Uh, because of course you have all this experience, right? And then, then when you hire people into these positions, it was always like, it was for me always a nightmare because nobody really performed in my standards, right? And, 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 and it's uh, lo- looking back at that, of course, I don't like me in that position anymore. Yeah. I don't like, like this person so much anymore because, uh, because basically, you know, what I was doing is I was creating, of course, I was just creating my own set of KPIs and my own idea of what performance is. And because it's just my very own unique idea of performance, everybody else was, of course, failing, right? Because only the only person who could ever perform on this metrics was me, myself, right? And everybody else was constantly failing with it. And um, And I think that is a realization that came really over time, you know, a realization that, uh, you know, that I'm creating the standards and because I'm creating the standards, I'm the best in, in fulfilling the standards. Uh, but it's not because I'm such an amazing guy, you know, it's just because I create the standards. And, and I think that is a process and that I've evolved through to understand, uh, and take, take myself back, uh, under, under, understand that uh you know that i'm not always the smartest uh, person in the room that there are other people who do things way smarter than me uh valuing other people's perspectives i think that is something that 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 really came over time and it was a really really long and very very painful process uh very very painful yeah mm-hmm. and uh and it's it's not nice to 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 uh to see the limitations of your your own limitations it's not so so I think I said that already once in this uh, in 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 this series. Um, I I think our our ego always tries to protect itself. Yeah. So whenever there is something popping up where you you think like, okay, you know, I did a mistake. You know, you're always trying to protect your ego. So you're always trying to say, okay, it's not me, it's somebody else. And and the and the and the hardest thing is as an entrepreneur that to find somebody that you can make responsible. You know, because of course you don't want to be responsible. So you think like, ah, okay. You know this this guy in my company. So why why is he not doing what I want them to do? Right? You you put yourself into the victim. You know you are a victim, and you t- say this other person is 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 responsible, and uh, and maybe then you come to the realization that you said like ah, who 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 was hiring this guy? Oh, it was me. Um, and then the realization is, you know, I did a mistake. Uh, I don't know, two years ago when I hired this guy. Yeah, and that's also so easy, right? So it's always so easy. To really say, Oh, you know, this is something that happened two years ago. It has nothing to do with me right now. It's also our ego until you get to the point where you go where where, where you tell yourself, mm. so maybe maybe it's not even hiring that person, but how I treated this person for the last two years might have had an impact on the performance that I perceive right now. you know, and I think getting to that point I think took me a very
2: long time, and it was very painful. Mm. So if I listen to both of your stories, they seem like really, you know, in the beginning, you do everything, you kind of grow and you take on all the challenges that come one by one and you grow naturally with the challenges. Uh, was there anything or anyone that was helping you develop on that journey? Did you have anyone that you exchanged with, talk to? Was there anyone that helped you develop as a leader during that time? Or was it really you in your own head and kind of then realizing in retrospect, so, oh, okay, maybe I should have done things differently?
0: i I can start and I, I think there's a lot of people who have given me a great advice. It's just that it's often you don't understand it before you actually lived through them uh, and afterwards, you can be like, Ah, now I understand what this person told me, and I should have followed that advice, but I, I didn't even adva- understand the advice I probably got so even if I got an enormous amount of good advice i i, I I still had to do my own learning some mistake and 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 uh, so 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 therefore um yeah i, I think the the ones who then probably where I probably learned the most are those who have been mostly involved working with me, so it can be the 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 management team and so on who see my mistake every day and and it can be like, whoa, but are you, like why are you doing like this so why are you there and, and Or that I see someone in my organization who has an amazing leadership skill and I see like, wow, I, I, I can see it with my eyes in detail how they do it and then I can copy kind of some of their tactics and, and so on. So I think the ones that I learned the most of is probably the ones that I worked the closest with who also can set my... Because often I felt like whatever advice I get is like, yeah, that sounds good, but that's probably just applicable to Apple or that's probably just applicable to this other company. This is delivery here, and this is different, so therefore this advice doesn't really apply. Well, if I work with someone someone knowing me, they actually can give the advice in the context of delivery here, and I thought that has been probably the most helpful uh, there. And and then, I, I as I said, I, I, I probably got millions of advice, but I, I probably failed to understand them <laughs> until way later. Yeah. Thank you for that, Nicholas. Rolf, what about you?
2: Did you have any, anything that helped you on the journey? I think, I think it's very
3: interesting how Nicholas spoke about advice and that you get the advice, but you don't follow it. And then you need time and then you go back and then you understand the advice. I think that's a, I think it's very interesting, a a very interesting dynamic about advice in general. And that's also why I think advice often doesn't work. Yeah. Because, um, in, in, in German, uh, advice is called ratschlag so it's it's basically in schlag is hitting somebody you know and in and in, 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 in somehow it for me represents the vertical nature of advice so the, the advice is always coming from the knowing to the unknowing right so and and it, so by by definition advice is vertical it basically it's and, and for me by definition advice is overreaching because i overreach into the sphere of another person by telling them how things are ideally done, yeah. Um, and and I think that's why advice is always is, is always like a bit crit- critical, you know. I'm always it's always a bit dangerous, as long as it's not uh, I think a, a healthy structure in which you can give advice,
2: yeah. You
3: know? um, and um, and 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 I think that leads to the fact that you, we often don't take this advice because it's not t- part of our sphere. You know, it's not part of like like our
2: um,
3: reality, and um, and and so I was very lucky. I mean, I get many advices, and I probably deal, dealt with them the same way Niklas dealt with them. So I lived through it, and then and afterwards I realized, oh, this was a very wise person. But um, but I had I was lucky enough at, actually in the in in uh, for for the last I don't know ten years or so um, that I also had kind of a, a, a sounding board around me uh like i had i was um basically i have a forum which where, with which i'm meeting um every single month for half a day um and where we really reflect about our realities and and, uh, and this has a very strict format of how um um how do how, you know how we exchange and the uh, it's it's completely done gestalt format so it's this this idea that you cannot never basically reach over into the reality of another person, and uh, you can only speak from your own experience. Uh, and I think that's very, very powerful. So I think in the moment where you're not saying, mm, I would do it like do it like this, you know, this is the right way to do it, but you say, you say see, I, you know, I don't know what you can do with it, but I lived through this situation, and this is how I solved it. And I think that makes it often way more digestible for for the for the counterpart, so I th- and 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 I realized that I'm not, nowadays trying much more to always say, you know, I made the experience and not and not general uh, not generalizing things, you know, not saying you generally do this, but I did it this way, you know, and I think that gives other people the chance to 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 digest it
2: better. You know? Yeah, perfect.
3: And I was very lucky that I had this the setup in a way and, and that I constantly trained this muscle over, over many years. Uh, and I think that, that, that helped me a lot Mm -hmm.
2: besides all the other things. I want to use that segue to kind of go into the the topic of today, which is evolving leadership. This, this big, big word and kind of define it a little bit. Uh, we already said, both of you said now, you know, not generalizing, Listening to your people, give them responsibility, uh, let them fail, let them experience stuff. are Some of the traits of a more evolving leader and someone who has seen much. Niklas, in, in your own word, if you would have to describe evolving leadership or an evolving leader, how would you describe that in a couple of sentences? What does it mean to you regarding of what is the theory and etc.? Uh,
0: it's, it's a tough one, but I think generally the most evolved leaders are very, they're, they're very aware of their, their weaknesses. They're often very aware of their, their role and where they can contribute and where not. Yeah. This self awareness and self, um, in, in a very healthy way. They, they, of course, get the most out of all their people they work with. And that, that's, that's the most, the focus that they have. And, and sometimes it can almost be like the most evolved leaders I work with are the ones that you realize afterwards how important they were for that company or how important they were for... You never really felt that they were there, but they were were still always there. They still made it work. They still get the most out of you. Without telling you, without uh, what to do, um, they just managed to get the team along and make a fantastic team. And and with small fixes here and there and small tweaks here and there, um, setting the right scene and the right... Uh, yeah, so, so th- th- those have been the most evolved leaders that I've, I've worked with have, have, have had that kind of ability to see where they needed to step in and where they, they, they kind of let let the team and the, the, the organization run.
2: I like how you described that sometimes those leaders, are you don't always spot them. So it's kind of like hard to put a KPI on them or like feel or take like traditional methods and identify, oh, this is an evolved leader. So sometimes they fly under the radar so that's the topic i want to uh discuss in a little bit but Rolf, do you have anything to add or what would be your kind of like short pitch what is an evolving leader to you what qualities does he represent or she and um what makes a evolving leader so, so the way of how i look at it is like three
3: levels yeah so i um i see um so what Nicholas says is uh self-awareness definitely super super important for me, it's an extremely important. So, so, so I think about a company as an information processing machine. So, yeah. So, like for me, systems are generally made to process information, and the better a system processes information, the the more successful it is. It's not only true for companies; it's true for countries, or I don't know, something like mm, capitalism or whatsoever, right? So, basically, what I think is that uh, systems that are better in 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 processing information are generally more so surviving longer more, more successful, and um, and the, the problem that we have as human beings, our ability to process information, is is a lot based on our personal story, and and that comes with a lot of implication. First implication is the more we are influenced by our personal story from the past, the more baggage we have the more we react on impulses the worse we are in 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 processing information right is that understandable because you always come with your biases so so i think that's why it's so important to create self awareness to 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 work on your blind spots constantly and i, I think there's is, is, is a, a huge way to improve yourself so 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 to 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 work on on these blind spots and and get to get a bit more oversight without ever reaching, of course, perfection in any way, right? But but just improving on that. And and for me, uh, that is the the, the self self awareness. And the, the, the second part that is important for me is the idea of self actualization. So being constantly able to take in new information, adapt yourself, learn, you know. This, this dynamic component of it, right? So really being able to constantly evolve and and and, and I think that, that that's so important because our, our environment is so so extremely fast changing, right? That we are it's super important that we constantly self self-actualize. So this ability is very important for a for leader today. And and that's for example why I very much appreciate, for example, if there's a politician or whatsoever who says, that was my opinion two years ago. I changed it. This is my opinion today. So often people say this is weakness. For me, this is strength. Yeah, this is a poss- like having the possibility to really like like think about things differently is very, very important because otherwise we get always stuck into what, what we did before. And what's also important for me is this idea of, of, of self-transcendence to really understand that that you are just one part of the picture. And there's there's and other people have different perceptions of the same situation, and and these other perceptions are even so as value valuable as yours, and that's extremely hard. So so I think getting to that point where you understand that these other perspectives are extremely valuable that's that's super super hard, right? And but but I think it's so so important because again coming back to information processing, if you're going back to that theory, right? If you have only one perspective. You you can think okay this might be this might be a square, right? And only when you're looking at it from another perspective, you might see oh this is a cylinder. So 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 a, a problem really uh, you get way closer to a problem when you have different when you can integrate different perspectives. Yeah, and and I think this integration is very very important for a leader being able to integrate different perspectives.
2: Yeah. I agree. A lot. I think the, the meaning-making, what you describe, how, how you process the information is such a key for a leader, mm-hmm. uh, how you use awesome. surrounding.
0: I also like to, uh, just in general, when we're speaking about leadership, we all have different skills and we all have our superpowers. I have certain areas where I think I'm, I'm, I'm small areas, but still areas where I feel like here is my, here is, here is my superpower. And other people having other superpowers. And I think that self awareness is, is important because, in the end, you need to be also authentic in your leadership. And it's not one leadership that works. They're, they're a completely different leader. And you have Elon Musk build some of the biggest companies. He's, he's a master problem micromanagement, the way I understand. And they have steam Jobs, who was a superpower when it comes to brand and, and finding good people. And, and then you have other amazing leaders, Richard Branson, who has just built by his. Culture aspects and and you have Jeff Bezos with the customer obsession and long term, so they all have extremely different skills and superpowers, and 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 therefore and most important is to build a team that kind of can that that covers your weaknesses one, but also knowing when you need to step in. in which area can you actually contribute the most, and in which area should you not? And I think. As I said, there are so many ways to building a great company through leadership and one kind of have to find your own way as well. What you believe in and what is authentic for you and be the best out of yourself. Um, so so I just want to add that there is there, there is not necessarily one way and that's the only way. Um, one can do things in, in a number of ways and still be successful.
2: I agree, definitely. And Niklas, on, on, on that topic, I mean... Uh... How do you try to bake that into the operating system at uh, Delivery Hero? I mean, you're such a huge company and obviously we said, you know, self-aware leaders, all those great qualities. How do you actually try to achieve that at Delivery Hero? Like, what do you do? What are you looking
0: for and how are you trying to support that? So, so of course, the, the larger the company gets, the more important it becomes that the organization is efficient. And if you're a 10-man company, then, of course, your own contribution will be at least one-tenth of that. And and uh, uh, But, of course, when you're 27,000, it's to making sure that you build an organization that has 27,000 people being the most efficient. And, and my efficiency is, is know, irrelevant in, in there. But um, so, so, so really... Making sure that we set the right setup, uh, making sure that the ownerships are clearly defined, and this changes all the time. And also, um, yeah, uh, what I strongly believe in is that you have a clear direction over a certain time. That you don't flip flop too much. You you can change your opinion. You should change your opinion, and and then it can be clear that when you have changed your opinion. But this this moving too fast in one or another direction starts to a confusion. So try to keep as much of a straight line as you can. And when you change direction, you, you rather have to smoothly over uh, adopting it. I also think um, may, there would be certain things that works when you're a small company. And by some point, you have to change because you become a bigger company and organizational structure needs to be, be changed and adopted and, and rebuilt. So... Constantly evaluate that, but but again, I don't know, how you operate. Is this the right way? Uh, it challenges again. Um, in order to set the right direction, of course, you you need to think through. I know, what is the right direction. What do you want to achieve? What is our product about? What is the customer experience you want to deliver? What is? Um, and, and and there's so many aspects of it. And some aspects I might be. There will be a lot of other people who can develop that. And in some aspects. I, I feel like I have an, an oversight and a view that I can set and help set in that direction, and then I can go very deep as well. I, I, I also like to go into to very nitty gritty detail on figuring something out, and 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 yeah. So so, but it still comes back to where are the areas where you have that superpower where you can maybe drill deep. And it might be for some people it will be to be into certain tech area and how can you build the best tech system and then they go into architecture and they go and challenge the organization there there will be some areas with well, more financial strength strength and where they can go in and how do we have the best customer lifetime value return and should we invest more here and there and finally be organization, how do we structure it so uh-huh. um so, so, yeah, so making sure that you have a team that covers all the areas and then there will always be some area where you might want to dive a little bit deeper yourself. Uh, and for me, uh, that's probably been on the product and service offering uh, as well as on the financial side. Mm-hmm. Makes
2: sense. Um, just to stay on that topic, what are some of the biggest roadblocks for you to really get that leadership across and, and really make sure that that delivery hero develops in that way? So, what are you currently struggling with in terms of uh, enabling that operating system and let leaders lead and, and make sure to give them the capacity to to do what they need to do?
0: Yeah. So, so, so first, I'm um, I'm a big believer of making the right scope and the right structure and organization such that they're not overlapping responsibilities because that creates so much friction. Like when you feel like you own something, but then someone else owns it as well, and and of course the larger you get with the kind of matrix structures of of functional and country and so on. So, so here I think by being very clear and that's been very helpful for Delivery Hero in where who is the owner of, of every decision or at least uh, a a number of decisions. And we even documented that because we we understood that if you're undocumented and continuously evaluated, there would be this ambiguity. Mm. And then over time, we realized, like, maybe these decisions actually fit better here or in this department, this organization. And then you adopt and change. It's a living document. Every quarter we review is the decision-making process and how we structure it uh, the right one. Um, so uh, so we, we call it operating principles. So we've actually been, uh, uh, in essence, this is a few pages. In detail, this is a 30, 40, 50 page document uh, on, on, on that. Um, in short, it basically says uh, the country decides. Um, so we have uh, ownership of the, the country. But we also understand operators as a global company and the functions have a strong importance. And so we believe in this local autonomy and decisions by country, but then to leverage that strength centrally and cross-functional, you say, accept topic A, B, C, D, A, F, G, and in this topic, so-and-so decide, and this service is owner, and the owner of this service will be in this department as well. So there's a very clear detail there uh, on making sure that everyone, everyone has a clarity on where they are the owner doesn't mean that you don't support in other areas. And I think that is the other aspect of delivery, of building a culture where people really take ownership of the, the outcome together. And it doesn't matter who comes with it, the idea, it doesn't matter who solves it, uh, but as long as it's getting done. So I think this clarity, on the one hand, combine this with this ownership mentality where everyone just want to build the best of the company and take all the the, the politics away Um and, and building a culture where, where people want to take it forward. Uh, combine that with a clear vision, a strategy, of course. Mm-hmm. And I think in order to get that non-politics and ownership mentality, I think that comes straight from the top. Um, whoever is, is there by setting examples or avoid setting examples where you, you, you treat people differently because they are your buddies or that you... You you, you you have sort of bias in your decision making or how you take in feedback who you listen to who you don't listen to how you write your emails how you communicate how you appreciate people for their work how you set the, the equitable systems and, and so on that is not based on one person but actually a, a more unbiased structure so that that the one who's the loudest is going to get the highest pay and the one who actually came, Showing the solution is going to be the one who's going to be the hero. Uh, So I think these three things combined, so having a clear vision direction, um, having a clear structure of ownership, combining that with a culture where people actually work together in the end, even if they are outside of their own area of responsibility and then continuously evolve uh, those things. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah, I mean, with, with such a big company you know in in such a complex structure different markets countries so many leaders i mean this is kind of like a best case scenario right so this is how we want things to be but sometimes it it never works 100 percent as intended have you noticed like what happens when leaders don't show those uh, competencies and don't live up to these standards how does it manifest on the way you know delivery hero is, is working and yeah
0: i think i think i've 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 learned over the years, and, and I think one learning I've done is that I I'm generally want to be a nice guy. I, 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 I want to be a good person. And if the weakness of that is that sometimes you don't give clarity, you feel a bit like, oh, but this person kind of wants to do this as well. It kind of against what we actually want to do, but I don't want to tell this person that he's wrong or he's, he's not doing that. Or what you realize is that you create a mess. Uh, it's not fair for the person because eventually you have I don't know, people will be unhappy because they, they they own the same topic and they, they, they realize that it makes no sense and and so on. So you, you try to be nice, but the, the, the reality is that you're not nice to no one by not giving clarity and also giving the I don't know, telling someone. I know, sorry, I this area is not with you. Here, a person ABC should, should 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 decide and give, be, being strong enough. In actually following that and being consistent and fair. And I think, I think that that's probably something that I've learned because you, you create then a lot of, or other issues have done. It could be like you, you like someone and they ask for, oh, I I need to be better compensated and somehow you kind of made it happen. And suddenly it would be like, oh, he's a friend of Nicholas, so he'd get a better compensation. That's terrible. That that can never happen in an organization because that creates envy and unfairness and all of that. So all of of those kind of trying to be nice ends up usually in in politics and and unhappiness and unfairness. Uh, So therefore... You have to be clear and you have to also take yourself out of any of those most critical topics uh, to, to make it an equitable system where people are compensated fairly, where ownership is fair, where you don't make uh, exceptions for for people, but but really know, give the hard message if there has to be a hard message. If you want an area of responsibility that is only one person, you move it to another person. Do it as soon as you realize that is, that is the best for the company. And people
2: will appreciate it and, 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 and yeah. Perfect. I mean, Rolf, together with Travago, now with Leadership uh, Sprouts, you also tried to put this, um, you know, leadership idea into the wider world. What do you see as some of the common roadblocks now that are kind of halting the progress?
3: So I think, I think it's often so when I see things are not working in the system, it's uh, like often ego is a problem. Yeah, you know, I, I, I think that people who are extremely smart and have a very strong ego are probably the, the most dangerous people for a company, uh, because they will always use their extreme intelligence to, to optimize themselves against others. Right. And, and, and sometimes this is really, really hard to spot because, um, Sometimes you create a system where you train people basically in a way that they, like, appear to you performing. You know, they, they look like they would perform, they would do everything right because these, pe- these people are extremely good. Extremely good in basically, uh, making you believe that they're very strong. Uh, but it's no wonder because they trained their whole life for it and 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 that's why and it's so so difficult to to find out and and to sort out these people because because i think that 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 often our whole way of how how our economy works and so on it's just based on this idea of okay you have to be this this high performer and then i'm always asking myself what does it mean to be a high performer you know does it mean that you just play the, the game better than others you know and And I think that's really, it's really difficult. You know, you think that you, you really think that you, you are good in spotting it. But I, I was basically, you know, I, I caught myself again and again, not spotting it. You know, um, not spotting that somebody is just playing the game better, but that doesn't make this person a more productive person. You know, it's, and it's a little bit like Nicola said that you need sometimes a time to understand that those people who might not be at the forefront of things, who might not always drive stuff, who but might not be always visible to you, who might not always deliver the best results—you know—that actually they are the ones who are driving things and 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 creating value. And that's very very hard. So I, I would say like like this, and 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 that's why it's so important. I think that 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 you you work on evolving people on a personal level. So that they are able to spot that, you know, to evolve themselves, but also spot that in spot that in other people mm-hmm. um, and 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 also be able then to to give to give good feedback, right? I mean, that's another important factor, right that that I think it's super, super important to to base decisions on on like a very broad basis of 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 uh, of of information. So, so I think the, the, the most problematic thing that I see in many organizations is that basically people are always just evaluated by their superiors. So they're completely depending on what the superior says. And because of that, they're, they're always said that
2: their, their, their
3: primary goal is to make that superior think that, 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 that they are amazingly productive. Mm. And that's co- comparatively easy to do, you know, to make that person think that you're productive um it's way harder to to make everybody around you think that you're productive so mm. so i think i think it's very important to to base decisions on on a broader basis so i think things that we you know for example the detriva these um these meetings where we came together to evaluate people um uh, also the 360 where we, where we, where we like based things on, 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 on data on, on a lot of different perceptions of a person. I think that's important. So, so building a good fundament for, for this information is important. But on the other side, it's also extremely important, uh, to help people to evolve on a personal level, to give good feedback and, 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 and to spot these behaviors.
2: Yeah.
3: You know? mm-hmm. and, that- and, and I'm, I'm and, and still it's super hard and I'm not, I would not say that I'm, Always succeeding in this, and definitely failed.
2: I mean we're saying that you know leaders should have those qualities and they need to manage the system. but question for both of you, how necessary is it to really elevate the whole organization? Like do you feel that only leaders should benefit in the investment in their development, or shall we also make that available to everyone else because they are part of the system, they are the people that drive it? What's your opinion about that Niklas?
0: No, for sure, and you have to have to make available you want to develop a whole organization and, and we, we see that the, the the largest driver for engagement in the company and for people being happy at delivery hero and probably any other company is is to have growth, that it can grow their know, their strength and personality. so if if you don't give those development opportunities and grow people they they will lead. Um, they they will not be engaged at work as soon as they have the possibility to evolve themselves, get the best out of themselves, learning new skills, take on new responsibilities. That's that's where some people thrive. That's where people get the most out of it. And and most of the, the the work we're doing is done by twenty seven people, twenty seven thousand people. Um, and and uh, I don't know, more than half of them know, are, 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 are not managers. Um, so how do you get the most of our organization? Well, you we have to at least consider. You cannot ignore half of the organization, by only looking at people who are managers. Of course, you have to involve the, the people who are managers because they also help if it, it, it filters through. So, um, but, but no, you have to take care of the whole organization. Um, But you you, you in particular need to address if there's someone that as a manager is not living up to certain capabilities because they influence a big part of the organization. So you have to address that at first, but you have to give the growth opportunities to everyone. Mm -hmm. How easy do
2: you find to kind of test those values and ideas down to everyone in the company? Because what you're essentially asking of them is a, more a mindset change, right? It's not like just a skill that you develop that you can learn, but it's more how you think about it, how you think about yourself, what perspectives you take in. Is is, is that, how, how do you guys tackle that? Is that a challenge that you have solved in any way or are trying to solve?
0: I, I, I don't I hope Rolf has a better answer than me here, but uh, I think one good thing is that uh, people learn a lot from people around them. So if you build an organization and start building leadership there, people will also develop leadership skills in that organization. So the more, I don't know it, it it so it has some a, a very like when you, yeah. So so making sure to develop good leaders also be that you hire and We also hire leaders. We want ideally to develop more than we hire, and I think at the size we are now, it becomes even more important because it's such a complex organization is there is no better place to learn the, the task and, be, and being good at Delivery Hero than to work at Delivery Hero. So, so, and some of the problems that we, that we have had in, in, up to this point have always happened in another company. So, of course, we can bring in good leaders into Delivery Hero on solving problems that they have solved, but we haven't. But there are also a lot of topics where we start getting into uncharted territories uh where the best want to solve it we'll be the ones who, who, who have experience from delivery hero. Uh, so, so even more so becomes important to build an organization that is self-learning with strong leaders. Um, and uh, also making sure that people are not good leaders. They 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 have to evolve or or yeah or or they might have to try the leadership in, in other places if they're not willing to.
2: Mm-hmm
0: yeah i think it starts with with
3: hiring um i'm not very optimistic about uh, an organization's skill to hire the right people i think that we always speak a lot everybody speaks a lot about it but i'm not so optimistic that we are really as good as we think in hiring because hiring is generally a very short process uh in which information there's not so much information so that's why i'm I'm less positive about the hiring part, though I think there's a couple of things that you can hire for. And, and, uh, and I think for, for us, it was important that people have a quite holistic worldview. Yeah. You know, because I think that people who have done different things in their life usually have a broader perspective and are able to cope with complexity better. I'm not a big fan of monocultures of people, where they just did the same thing all their life, and um, so I think that was that's one part where you where you basically can create the foundation of like creating people who can evolve, and 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 then generally I, I share with Niklas my perception that uh, I have I'm generally uh, living in in people, and I believe that people generally want to work they want work they want to create something they want to do something meaningful right so when we were children nobody would have to tell us that we have to build uh you know uh, something out of our lego you know and we we were just starting to do it and then uh one day like you know like our parents started to to tell us okay uh when you do this then you get five euros or whatsoever or then we went to school and then they said okay when. When you do this, you get a better grade, and you get promoted in the next class, into the next class, and so on, and so on, and so on. And basically, we 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 unlearn the intrinsic motivation, and we learn that we need to be extrinsically motivated for everything that we do. And I think that going now into the technology world, that is definitely accelerating this process. Yeah, when we we need a like, you know, we don't need like we we want to have like a visible a uh, 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 sign that somebody likes us, right? So we want to have a like, we want to have, we want to be directly rewarded and so on and so on. I think it's 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 very dangerous because I think for the most important things in life, you don't get a direct reward. Um, and, and that's why I think, I think we, we really have to rethink that and, and take this, take this away from the extrinsic motivation and, and try to start to motivate people intrinsically and, and 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 they have to want it they have to want to create value and I think that because we are just not able to do it differently the world is just too complex to create a perfectly intrinsic extrinsic motivation you know it, it's too complex yeah the world is way too complex to do that there's way way too many dependencies even if you structure a company in the perfect way there's way too many dependencies at the end you know I think it's it sounds always a little bit like giving up you know but it's not giving up you know but at the, but at the end it's just a realization that you need this intrinsic motivation you need this person to really want what they do and uh, and everything that gets you there closer to that mindset i think is is, is super important
0: yeah i think Anna, that is one reason why delivery for example we we are very we are not very much for for bonuses um we we More or less, don't have bonuses in our company. We have equity, uh, so people get delivery of stock, and so that they share in the combined success, and and so on. Because, but but this, I did this now. I deserve something now. I should have a bonus, and I did more than this person. Why is this bonus more than mine? So therefore, we more or less said like, let no bonuses. Uh, It just drives the wrong mindset. It drives individual behavior. Um rather than team effort and and uh, doing this intrinsic you do it for 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 the good of the the the, the team and and so, so I
2: agree I would love to continue the discussion for hours on end, but we are almost done with our uh, part where we just talk, and I want to open it up uh, to the people shortly but before we do that uh because we do have a lot of future leaders in the zoom room, uh, a lot of people from the h h l and what is just both of you one question uh what is one thing that all people can start doing now in order to help them kind of like grow into the right direction and become evolved leaders maybe faster than you both were able to do it what would be the one thing that you would advise
0: i think um one one thing that i've learned that helped me a lot and and that might be an advice that sounds very basic and, and still not understandable. And that's just trying to be authentic in who you are, trying to be yourself. Uh, I often felt in, in, especially in the early days that I, 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 I came from managing a couple of people to suddenly having hundreds of people. And I felt like, whoa, I, I, I now have to be a much better leader than I am. And I have to behave like a better leader than I am. Or maybe I have to uh, do things that that I think leaders should be doing uh, and talk the way I think leaders should be talking and so on. So I, I tried to, to, at some point, be someone... And it's, it's not that I went on... on, on, on and it's, Probably people might not have noticed, but I tried to be someone I, I probably wasn't 100%. Uh, I might have felt like I cannot admit that I don't know what this means or so what, what uh, how how to understand this. So I don't understand it. I'm not, I might not even ask why. How does it work and help me here? And I don't get it. And advice and feedback. I I probably felt like I need to know this. I'm the I'm I'm the boss here. I, I need to be be the best. Um, and and I think. People, people realize, People see it when you're authentic and when you're not, uh, and when you, you're as yourself. And I think at some point I was came to realization. I'd be like, okay, I am who I am. I have my weaknesses. I have my strength. I, 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 used to say, I am who I am. And if that is not enough, it's not enough. And I think that was the time when I really think I elevated my leadership, where suddenly people be like. And they, they identified more with me they 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 liked to work more with me they 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 wanted it they to they, they, they probably start
2: kind getting
0: closer to me because they, they they knew me suddenly in a different degree because my openness my, uh, my so so it, I felt like the organization suddenly came behind me in a different different way mm-hmm. they 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 so, so it was it was a fantastic feeling that that suddenly I was myself and everyone so that, that was a better, better me than, than being a, a, a kind of copy of what I think a, a boss should be doing. So authenticity and humility some of the things that I hear from that.
2: Yeah. From I, that I,
0: and, and I realized it's not harder than that. And be, Being a leader doesn't mean that you need to know everything. Being a leader doesn't mean that you, you, you are best at everything. Being a leader means that people follow you. And people w- want to, to work with you and they, they understand where you want the company to go. Um and uh, and um everything else uh, that that would be covered by other people who are better at it. So it, it doesn't really matter. So um yeah.
2: It's good advice. Thank you for that. Rolf, your one piece of advice. Yeah, it's so beautiful. So uh, thank you, thank you for saying that like this because
3: I um it could could be an advice that i could have given but i would never have been able to formulate it in the same beautiful way so, so thanks for that um yeah i think you also asked like like what help what could you what advice could you give to help people develop and i think i think identity like finding your identity finding who you are is is, is already extremely important so i think that that there's always strength in finding out who we are, finding out who we are as a person, but also as a company, right? So finding your own identity, because then I, I, this process, like how you described it was so beautiful, because I think it's it's it reflects so much my experience with myself, but also with other people, that in the moment where you are yourself, you get on a way higher energy level, basically. So because you stop pretending, you stop using energy to pretend, and you can use energy to, you know, to create and to and to and, and, and to impact have impact on people, real impact on people. Um but I think this this getting to this identity is is work. So it's not for me, it was at least not something that was happening like this. So 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 it was a long process and it it's still going on. And every day I'm trying to be a bit more authentic and being a bit more me. And uh and I think this I think that's an important process, and i what I see with young entrepreneurs often they don't give themselves the time for this process. They don't give themselves the slack for this process, right so for example when you when you when you go into meditation, basically, one thing that you want to reach is you want to do, to create a little bit distance between you and yourself, right? So you want to have this little slack in between, you know. And I think I think it's I think it's super important to for yourself to give yourself this room um to in, in which you can develop. Yeah. So why did you call your company Shift Space, Kirill?
2: Exactly because of that reason, world. <laughs> <laughs> because we're trying to, to do just that, to bring self awareness uh to people and really teach on how you can, you know, understand who you are and change your relationship with yourself and then build on top of that, like with perspective right. shifting. How to handle complexity? So, yeah.
3: So you need the space to to shift. You know, you need the, space, need the space to develop. 100%. And and I think I think it's it's one of the most important things I learned to learn
2: to give myself this space. That's a beautiful way to wrap this up. Thank you, Niklas. Thank you, all. It was a wonderful discussion, and I would like to give it to Stefan and open up for Q and A and see what the people want to ask us. Thank you very much. Um So there are a couple of questions that popped up in the room and actually some of them you have already answered in the past hour. But I would like to invite uh, the first person who asked the questions, Fidolina, up on stage, uh, because I, I think it was three questions that you had in total. Some of them might already be answered, but uh, if I understood there's one part that is unanswered yet. Oh,
3: thank you, Stefan. Uh, yeah, it was really inspiring. That's why the questions uh, came up. Um, and I want to ask Niklas about your leadership culture at Delivery Hero. Do you have some common joint uh, principles you work on?
0: Yes, we do. So, we, we try to define what do we think are kind of the leadership principles that, that we. Uh, live by and what what makes a good leader. Um, those would be, be traces like kind of be yourself, uh, bring yourself at work. Uh, uh, there will be like empower trust. Um, there will be a lot of those things that I discussed earlier today. So 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 generally um, certain traits that we believe in. Um, so we so we do have those, and we also try to really live by them. Uh, it's fairly recently that we added it. So in the beginning, we only worked with values and have those as kind of how we want to be. And, 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 and those were be, uh, solution-driven, aim higher, and be a hero because you care. But we realized that, that there are more to leadership, there are more principles than that. Uh, so, so we have implemented them recently, fairly recently, uh, probably later than we should have. Um, and we tried to make sure that we actually... Live by them, also in the sense that when we evaluate our leaders, when we have our 360 and feedback discussion, and and that also impacts, and we have performance uh, management in the company as well. We actually measure it based on those traits that we we think are the right traits, and um, and and yeah. So, so it's a lot around those on a team by sorry uh, teamwork and. and, and and being yourself, let the other be themselves, uh, and so on. So, uh, I think it's very important.
3: Thanks for sharing.
2: Thanks. Thank you very much, uh, Sophie Vero. You posted a couple of questions. Please come up on stage.
1: Yeah, sure. I, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna start with the last one. I guess um, you mentioned like uh, being yourself, but what if? If truly being yourself implies embracing things that are perceived by society as bad traits, like for example, being too emotional or too shy and introvert, insecure, things like that. How do you deal with that?
0: So I didn't hear if the question was for role for myself or for both.
1: It's for both.
0: Right. Um so so first of all, and we all have to evolve also. Our, our, ourselves. So, so if you're very emotional, we should at least be aware of it. And knowing like I'm emotional, and maybe have to apply certain techniques for 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 dealing with with that. Or if I'm, uh, um, yeah. So, so there are certain things that you could probably also self develop. Um, um, but then in the end, I know you are who you are, and and you have to make sure that you're you, you also make sure that the team understand and you have to, like if you get too emotional one moment, it'll be fine. People know that, that someone is emotional, but then afterwards maybe have to be like, hey, I've I'm, I'm got too emotional here. And, you know, but but, but you cannot, it's, it's impossible to hide. Like if you're emotional, you're emotional. And 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 there's just a beauty in that as well. And, and, and people will also see that. Um, but of course it, it also, and we also have development areas, and, and some of those traits might also be development areas we we, we can also work on, such that emotional doesn't uh, translate into being aggressive, or emotional translate into being disrespectful, or or anything like that. If it's just emotional, I'm emotional. I'm I'm, I'm very emotional about my company. I want it to do fantastically well, uh, and and uh, but but I try to manage it in the degree that I still remain respectful and speak. And, and uh, don't let emotions kind of flip over into uh, something that, that anyone could take offense of, or, or I have to take that as an example.
3: Um, yeah. I, I think it's a very good question. It's something that, uh, especially when you when we spoke about our values, right? We were always say, we, we had also authenticity as one of our core values at Trivago. Um And when we did leadership. Trainings, we were always discussing about, like, okay, like how does trust and authenticity, you know, like how do these two topics relate to each other? So, trust was always okay, you know, we take care of each other, you know, we build trust with each other, and but, and how can you be authentic at the same time? And I'm, I generally think there's no problem of ambiguity, so you can have these two values, and and you have to have to be able to handle ambiguity, and and there is not always the right. The right answer to everything. Um, I think, I think I would also draw the, the line basically where your authenticity becomes toxic for, for, for your, for your, for, for your team or the people that you work with, you know, and, and I think that's, that's not for me authenticity, you know, that's basically living out all your shadows and, and sharing them with the world. Right. And, and I think you should be. I think its this comes also that authenticity, I think for me comes also the duty to self reflect and a duty to self evolve and also to work on your shadows yeah and and I think that there are authentic people who can be extremely toxic for 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 for, for the environment and and that's super dangerous and 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 then it comes we have we have to work on that you know we can cannot let this maintain and, and there because. Because that will affect other people. It will make other people leave. It will make have other people might have a hard time with it, right? So, so all for authenticity. But, but you know, you know, authenticity in extreme, in extreme form and something that I also have to learn can be narcissistic. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that's very interesting because you always think, ah, authentic, authentic, you know, that cannot be narcissistic. But I think if you live it out in a very, very extreme form, I can it can be narcissistic, and I, th- I think that's that's you know where it where it turns
2: around. Thank you, Vero. Um, we have Jonas and Shibani who are asking questions about leadership and growth. So, uh, bring you up on stage, Jonas first, and Shibani uh, also. Please, Jonas, pose your question. Yeah, thank you very much that, uh, uh, for also for the very interesting talk tonight. So I have a question regarding, um, growth and culture. So when you think back to the time where you were expanding like really rapidly, uh, you were expanding internationally, would you say that there was something like challenging challenges regarding your organizational culture? based on intercultural differences, because you were um, going to so much different countries, you have maybe subsidiaries there and so on, and also um, like intercultural teams. So would you like, would you say you had some challenges there and how did you especially solve them as leaders?
0: Yeah. So so we definitely had some growth challenges, especially year three, four, five, something like that, uh, we We grew so fast and 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 also not having good enough leaders uh, and myself to blame um for for that and and uh, so 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 yes I don't think it was necessarily so much of cultural differences so i think we have we have always been very aware that there are cultural differences, and I think all people that I know are are um, have been dealing extremely well with cultural differences and understanding it and extremely respectful. And, 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 and maybe that's a delivery of culture, or maybe that's just humanity or the people who hire, I don't know. But, but at least my experience is extremely good that this cultural differences has not really been a problem uh, for, for the culture. we also given room that, that the culture in Turkey is different than the Turkey in Korea. And, and that's also good. And then there are certain similarities. That we want to align on. I think the reason why we probably had some challenges culturally uh, in in the early days through the growth is that we didn't have a strong value system, and we didn't strongly enough foster that value system. And the other is that we didn't have a we didn't have a strong uh, people operation system either. And um, what I mentioned a little bit earlier when you the the you start getting bad environment, the toxic environment, things are unfair. Uh, or when people don't have a possibility to grow, or when people start becoming too much focused on their, 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 their own performance rather than the team's performance. And when they overlap the responsibilities. So, that, so that's a number of mixes that, that doesn't go well together. And I think that's, that's what we had. We didn't have clarity on ownership. We had conversation was too much driven from the top. Uh, from, from management rather than through uh, uh, people operations to really work through biases and making sure that there is fairness in the organization, making sure that one department is not running one system and another department is another system. Uh, we, we we stop with the whole um, counter offer. If someone gets an offer and then We start having this, like we have to give a counteroffer to make sure that this person doesn't leave. And suddenly have 20 other people in the same organization being pissed off because someone else got more paid because they made a noise. Uh, So so when we started to get that in place, and, and that starts a lot with the people operation, having stronger people operations to help us bring the values out, making sure that compensation structures, making sure the feedback processes are there, making sure that we live by other values, that's that's when we got it back on track, and and uh, it 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 uh, yeah it, it it it's really done miracles for, for us. And that the organization is truly different today versus know, five years ago. Uh, we really struggled, and and mainly because I I I I, I didn't pay enough attention to it, uh, but not so much for the cultural differences.
3: Um. Yeah, I, I think we were very lucky that uh, we we had we had this in place, and I I would agree to, um, to what Niklas said that uh, I think I think this helps a lot. I think uh, you get to a point where you cannot, or in my opinion, you cannot cover everything by processes anymore, and at that point, you need a strong value system, where and a shared value system. And and I think because we had this shared value system, I think we never had a real issue with integrating people uh cross culturally. Um I thought back in the days that it was important to have people at one place. I think I thought that was very helpful, which I think it's a luxury that dickless didn't have because there were like different different uh Uh, companies that he had to bring under one umbrella, right? And that's uh, way more difficult. I had the the luxury that, that we developed everything out of Dusseldorf and, and we kept people to, to, together, right? So, which was in that time very counterintuitive, even for a company like Tribago, which is completely virtual in a way, but, but it was counterintuitive, for example, uh, to say, okay, you, you are like a successful company in the US and you don't have to have even one person working in the US for yourself, for, for your company, right? So, um, it was counterintuitive, but I thought it's very important. So I, I truly believe that it's it's very important to to share experiences, to share one story. You know, that, I think stories build our identity, and and the closer you work together, the more stories you can share. You know, and I think this shared stories builds an identity, builds values, and so on and so on. So that's why I think it's important to bring people close together. And I think right now with the remote setup. I think it's very, very difficult it's way more difficult to build identities. And I think this will be one of the biggest challenges that we will have in the future of building companies um, to say how can we create this identity without the physical presence. Right? And and, and I, I, I truly I don't have a have a have an answer to that right now, but I know it's extremely crucial that we come up with a solution because because that will drive a lot of productivity for our companies in the future.
0: Interesting. Thank you. Maybe adding a little bit on the whole value topic and you spoke about, it's it's something that I... I, It took me a long time to understand. And we had values on day one. And we were very early to have values. It's just I didn't really know I don't know what 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 it is, and and uh, I, I thought the values is what you put on a, somewhere on the walls, and then, and and you try to come up with something really nice that sounds really cool, and and that's the value of the company. No, the value of the company is how you how you act and how you interact, regardless of what's put on whatever wall you have. Uh, it's 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 how how you write emails, how you communicate, how you uh, show up at work, how you how you lead, and. The first values we, we did there was basically coming up what's, what sounds like the best values to have. What I realized is that if you want to build strong values, you have to see who you are. And then you have to define the values so that it adjusts yourself maybe in, in the right direction. Uh, but, but you see, I kind of have to start with who you are. And, and, and yes, it's a little bit ambitious in like, like if you're solution driven or a little bit, you, that's kind of a good value to have. Uh, but don't have a value of perfectionism, And We had that too. We were solution driven and perfectionists, and and, all. and and that's that's not who I am, and that's not who we are. And therefore, it sounded good to have like um, that as a value, but but it's completely contradicted to, to to and and therefore it never became a value uh, in the company in the organization. So. I think that's one thing that I learned over time is like the, the, the value is who you are and, and you try to define who you are and that's that how you strengthen who you are by, by defining who you are already and, and help other communicate like more or less who, who you are. Um, yeah.
3: I, I think you cannot stress it out uh, uh, often enough and clearly enough because I see this happening uh, again and again uh also in, in young startup companies where i'm investing and so on so so where where you know it's it's not you know you cannot select your values from like a menu right and say like okay i would like to have this one here and this down there you know and, and you know that's not the idea you know and it will it will always and in and, and that moment you know it's 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 they are set up to, be, to fail because because in the moment in that moment it has nothing to do with you and your organization and 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 in the moment where you try to reach them, you know, you know, it's not something for me. Values, it's not something you know. You can set ambitious goals, but you cannot set ambitious values, right? As Nicholas said, they, there is always some ambition in it, but it c- cannot say like, okay, it's not what I am, but that's how I want to be. This is my value. That's not how it works, you know. And and um, and I and I think that's the most common mistake. It's done so often, again and again and again. And uh, no, no, I think it's more about settling. Understanding who you are and sometimes values change, but it's also because, because you understand maybe better who you are, you know, and you deep, get a deeper understanding of your, your organization. And that's why values can also change. But, but usually it's a, it's like, you know, your your like your personal journey is, is not usually a, a journey to become somebody else. It's a, it's a, it's for me, it's always a journey to become yourself. And and the journey of the company is as well, a journey to be, to
2: be itself rather than a j- journey to become something, yeah. Thank you, Shivani. Um, do you want to add to this discussion?
3: Yeah, hello everyone. So my question is for Nixas. Uh You mentioned operating principles and how you try to reduce the friction by defining clear-cut rules uh, and even have certain rules and writing. So I want to understand at what stage do we introduce such operating principles uh, about decision making? Because usually startups, they start with flat hierarchy and at a later stage, they realize that they have to have some processes in place. Um, also, how do you ensure that people are changing? Uh, people are taking these changes positively and it is not impacting the, the speed of your organization when you have such processes in place?
0: Mm, great question. Uh, I think I know the, the fact that we put our operations principle into a document is, is more to document it because any organization has it. Any organization has like who decides this, it's just that it might be a little bit ambiguity and maybe it's not clear. Or two people think that they have the same responsibility or have a responsibility and and both think that they own that responsibility. And so I think in any organization, you want to avoid that two people think that they own the same topic and think that they decide on the same topic. And um, maybe there are examples where this actually is helpful, but but in general, that has a, 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 a possibility possibility restriction. So, if, for example, if you think that you control the budget of X, Y, Z, and someone else comes and spend your budget because they think that they own your budget, then you would be pissed. You'll be like, "Why did they take my budget away? Or, How could you hire someone in for doing this area that I own in marketing?" And someone said, "Well, I thought I owned this marketing area." And that that will cause friction. Um, so I think an organization tries to define like how it works, and your it can be either through from from a lower level or from from an earlier stage. It's more like working responsibility and what is my job profile. Uh, and of course, this changes, and you work with a team, and you adjust, and you. But but in the end, there is always a clarity on who is the owner of this. Even if it can change to tomorrow, that you say maybe you can help me with this, so maybe you can do that, so and suddenly someone else only in that order. So, it's, it, that exists in every organization? It's just at some point you kind of have to do it at a larger scale, um, and I'm not sure. And and you have to then start document it in in a way that actually brings clarity. I don't know exactly when that point comes when you kind of start having to put it a little bit more formalized. But uh, once you start having a matrix organization, you will have overlapping responsibility. If you run marketing, you'll be like, I can decide how much money is going to be spent in in Thailand. And then the one who's running Thailand is like, why do you spend my money in the market on things that I don't want to spend on? That would be friction. So as soon as you start having a matrix organization, you kind of have to clarify Who is advising on the budget and who is taking the final call on the budget? Who is defining on this campaign and who is helping on this campaign? So I think as soon as you get the organization side, they have function and country, um, you will have to find a clarity there. And and for us, it was more to write it down how it actually was in the company at that point in time. And then when we wrote it down, we started thinking through, is that also the best way? And and then everyone will pitching in and say like actually this would help me a lot if I actually had more saying in this, and some others will say well no I have to decide on this. And then you have as you work it through and put it on paper, you you, you start thinking and you start evolving and you start is this the optimal set a structure? And then over time, every quarter, as I said, we realize that things maybe have to be adopted and changed. And over the years, those changes happen, but. No one really reflects on it because they're always so small. If you do it regularly, there's always these small changes that it doesn't really disrupt the organization. Um, there will be a couple of individual discussions that now let's do this together and let's make this centrally or locally. Um, yeah, so it, it's never really been a, a conflict when we had that discussion because we, we, we very clearly had it in place and then evolved it over time.
3: For me, I, I would say I'm I'm a, I'm a very big fan of the process uh, making implicit explicit, you know? So I think there's a lot of implicit kind of things that we think about our environment, how it should be, and so on and so on, and we never speak about it. And I think this process of documentation makes it ex- explicit. That's what I like about documentation. And I was a big fan of like having like a wiki structure very early and and, and, and writing things down, you know, and this process that Niklas describes, and I think it's very helpful, you know, in the moment where you write things down, you're getting explicit, you know, with something. So you really like saying what I really understand and then you can check it with somebody else. And I think this process, I, I love, you know, I love this process. I'm not so fond of the results after the process. So the, 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 I think the problem starts when there's just a the result you know, and the and the parties who came up with that result, they're gone, and then somebody else looks on the results and says, "Hey, here, you know, look, it's it's standing here, you know, I'm 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 responsible, you know, because because that you know the the, 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 the uh, you know I've uh, we, we very rec- recently you know I I you know I I, I w- went back for example and I realized okay like like what kind of you know like crap sometimes you know we we wrote into our own documentation you know and then how it made because it was written down it maintained there over generations you know and i of course i was never reading all that stuff right it was just like you know often was like okay Rolf said or you know whatever but but but, but i was never reading it it was and it, 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 it became its own kind of thing and people were just always Saying, see, it's it's here. It's in the dark, you know. It says it. That has to be right, you know. And I think that's very dangerous. Yeah. So I think it's very dangerous as people stop thinking, yeah, and they and they just follow the rules, you know. And 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 I I think it's a very very dangerous process. So 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 I I don't know how to cope with it. How how I I know it's a kind of an ambiguity on the one hand, loving the process but hating the result somehow. But but there is. There is definitely an issue with uh, a legacy, legacy rules.
0: You know? Yeah, and I think, you know, 100% agree. It's, it's, it's also the same if you look at shareholders' agreement. You spend so much time building shareholders' agreement or any other agreement that there. How often do people look into that shareholders' agreement? It's only when it's a dispute, really. Um, and, and there will be five years, no one, and you spend months on that shareholders' agreement, and then no one looks at it for five years. And and um so so and hopefully never used. But um the, the process when we went through it was probably helpful. Like how do we work together and you, you develop certain understanding with your investors and then and so on. But I, I agree with 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 Ralph, it's like the outcome is secondary, the process is probably more important than than the outcome, but I think The best way of making sure that you also don't have those legacy rules is also that you evaluate how you operate. And that's why every quarter we look at that. Is that really how we want to operate? Does that make sense? Is it something that if someone just highlights, it says here in the document, and we realize that makes no sense, well, then we are going to change it um, very fast. Uh, So so it's it's also continue to having that discussion and making that explicit in clarity, but also making sure that it doesn't become this, it, it says here that I'm I'm responsible uh, now from from especially some legacy uh, decisions and and these things change like every quarter and things how we operate and how we do things. So, it, it, uh, yeah. thanks
3: so much for all the insights,
2: ladies and gentlemen. Um, it's been very inspirational. And uh, I think this is the session where we have more questions than in any other session that we had so far. And unfortunately, our time is up for today. So uh, please excuse uh, to all of the participants whose questions we can't not bring into um, the discussion. However, I believe uh, <laughs> these past uh, 93 minutes have been both in, uh, in intellectual but also for me personally in emotional information overload. So um, <laughs> I'm really going uh, to have to digest on all uh, we have been hearing here. Um, thank you very much, Niklas, for being so open and sharing um, your experiences. And uh, I mean, uh, providing one and a half hours time being a CEO of a DAX company is not something you can expect. So really, thank you very much here. Uh, Rolf also... Um, Thank you very much for uh, being with us uh, over the past five sessions, uh, six sessions, actually. Um, It has been really, really cool. We have a short summary in our upcoming HHL news here. And I'm looking forward to continue the discussion that we started with this series, Dismantling Leadership. That said, um, I know you all have to run, so I, I stop it here. Thank you very much. We will uh, keep
0: you in the loop what we're doing with it next and have a great evening. Stay safe, stay healthy. Thank you very much, Thank everyone. And, and keep in mind, delivery hero here. If you look for growth, you know where to come.
2: <laughs> <laughs> bye, everyone. Thanks for the discussion. Good Thanks bye. So Thanks, Niklas. Bye-bye. See you soon, hopefully. Yes. Bye-bye.